It's good to be together as a family today on this Family Sunday. And like I said, maybe some of us check in with the tables to see if there's still tiny homes to be built as we proceed through. It seems like we filled up a little bit, so that's good, and our little ones are hard at work. Well, the Jewish religious leaders that we're seeing Jesus interact with in Mark chapter 12, we're continuing this story of Jesus ministering the week before his crucifixion in Jerusalem. If there's one thing that the Jewish leaders excelled at, it was building systems that continued their influence and their control and often then oppressed those marginalized, the poor, and the foreigners. They actually, they actually built walls to keep certain groups of people at a distance from the inner temple, from the place where worship happened, from the place where God's presence was said to be fully. Uh, one of those walls was called the, the, the wall of the Gentiles or the ethnic ones, creating the court of the ethnic ones that, are, that kept the non-Jews distanced from worshiping at the temple. So they actually built walls, and then there were system kinds of walls, right? There was structure put in place that kept people from easily accessing God and maybe making it impossible, right? The religious leaders set up tables, booths in the temple courts for those traveling from long distances who could not bring their animals for sacrifice, could not bring their offerings, so they had to purchase them when they, they got on site. They had, to, they had to bring a temple tax every year, and it had to be in the local currency. So they had to exchange whatever currency they came with to uh, what would be acceptable to receive as an offering or any other gifts. And the system that was set up could then charge whatever prices they wanted to charge for these animals, these doves perhaps, or, or these lambs that would be brought. And they could set the exchange rate of the foreign currency to their current currency, depending on the demand or the need, or maybe it was a high holy day or a festival that was gathered. And based on the corruption that's in the hearts of everyone, there was an opportunity to glean and take advantage of the poor with whatever they wanted to set. You all know what it is to be captive in a certain place, to dependent on uh, food or resources and with very other, little other options, right? We've all traveled through airports or perhaps visited Disneyland, and there you are captive to whatever prices the powers that be decide is reasonable. Seventeen and a half dollars for a day-old turkey wrap. That sounds just about a, a deal, a bargain. Oh, you want, you want the full liter of bottled water. That's going to be eight fifty. And what, else, what other option do you have but to turn out your pockets and say, take all that I have? The religious leaders were the ones setting up these money-changing, dove-selling tables and, and these systemic walls separating the poor and the foreigner from drawing near to God. And it's these tables that Jesus flipped when he first came in to the temple area on that famous Palm Sunday, the week before Resurrection Sunday. Nothing seemed to incense Jesus more than the oppression and the abuse, the marginalization and, and the distancing 
of people in need who were desiring to draw near. It absolutely incensed him. Those that were hindering anyone from walking into the kingdom, from experiencing him. Even the disciples just had this division rooted within them. And we would rightly ask, is it any different for us in our own hearts? In different places in the, in the Gospel of Mark, we see the disciples restricting the little children. Don't bother Jesus, he's busy. Stay quiet. Don't make noise, don't draw near. And what did Jesus do? He was indignant at that. Let the little children come. Bring them to me. It's these that have life. It's these that I honor and esteem and value. Bring them to me. And we strive to do the same thing, as you'll notice, to distraction and to noise because it represents new life. It represents the heart of Jesus that says he, he welcomes all peoples. May we welcome all peoples. You know, Jesus came to overthrow any system of greed and oppression, to bring justice, to bring equity for all. A hallmark text that we read again last week, Luke 4, 18, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Jesus stood up and read from the prophet Isaiah, declaring that his time had come. The Messiah, he is the Messiah who has come. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And certainly he could go on and on mentioning the various peoples that were oppressed or marginalized, did not have access to what the kingdom offered to them. In Mark 12, we looked at this passage last week. I'm going to jump into verse 41 if you have devices or Bibles. He honors, Jesus honors a poor widow and calls out, esteems her faithfulness as she comes to give at the temple like so many others did. But here's the story reminding us again. Jesus sat down opposite to the treasury in the temple and he, he was watching as the crowd came and put their money into the treasury, treasury and many rich people put in large sums probably making a show of their offering. But a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth about a penny today. He called his disciples, Jesus did, to him and said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury, for all of them just contributed out of their abundance, the leftovers, the extra. But she has contributed out of her own poverty, and she's put in everything she had, her very life, the translation is here is all she had to live on, but the, the literal translation of the Greek is her very life she gave, as if she did not know where her life would come from, her sustenance would come from tomorrow. You know, you can't read through the Gospels and miss that Jesus welcomed, honored, and esteemed the poor and the lowly. It was they, he seemed to say and reveal, had the right to the kingdom, the right to him, the right to access because he knew they could be entrusted to lead, to rule well in his kingdom because they would never forget what it meant to have nothing, to be in desperate need. They would never forget those hurting and those in need and those in poverty. Jesus said famously in Luke chapter six, verse 20, blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of God. It's as if these are the closest ones to God's heart, the poor. We don't have to look far today to see 
nations that exploit the poor, that do little to alleviate systemic and generational poverty and oppression. In fact, we probably just need to look in the mirror at times. But our God has always had his eyes and therefore his heart and his presence with the poor. We read some selections last week from Exodus and from Leviticus, the, the earliest commandments and laws given to God's people. And I, I pulled out some selections. I'll remind us because this will shape how we tend to join in God's heart in considering those in need. How do we become a people who give like this? Exodus twenty two twenty five. If you lend money to one another, he says, to one of my people, it would be to, to, to a brother, to a sister, to a friend, do not be like the moneylender of the world who charges exorbitant interest at times. Charge him no interest. That's generous. That's upside down by the standards of the world. Exodus 23, verse 6, do not deny justice to your poor people in their lawsuits. In verse 10, six years you're to sow your field and harvest the crop, but in the seventh year let the land lie unplowed and unused because then the poor among you may get food from it. Do the same with your vineyard and your olive grove. There's an upside down rhythm of generosity in the nature and character of God. Leviticus 19.10, do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen on the ground. Leave them for the poor and the immigrant. Chapter 23, verse 22 of Leviticus. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Again, those things that have, that have fallen aside. Leave them for the poor and the immigrant. I am the Lord, your God. And we could read many, many more scriptures and commandments that give us a snapshot of God's heart and eyes and mind to those in need and to the, to the poor. And he's, he's commanding and instructing his people to live like this, to live generous lives with a mindset to those in need. But when he ends here, when this statement is declared after these kinds of commandments, instructions, hopefully we receive them as invitation, but they are strong for us. And he says, I am the Lord your God. That means I am Yahweh. I, I am who I am. This isn't just something good that his people are meant to do, to show compassion and show love. This is his very character and nature. This is who I am. God, Yahweh, declares. How can we be a people who leave gleanings, who share in our harvest? Some of us have backyard gardens, who are at work, as we heard last week, with our own giving garden, loving to see that expand, and to, with a generous mindset and a mindset toward beauty as well, to give and to love. But most of us don't live in the same kind of agrarian rhythms as God's ancient people. So we have to be creative to adapt that. What does it look like to be people who leave gleanings, who have rhythms to our lives of, of creating excess that we might give to those in need? Sharing abundantly, not only out of our abundance, but even at times out of our own poverty. How do we join in to the heart of God? There's so many ways to do this. There's so many ways that you have already been about this. That This is a long history, I believe, for Union Hill Church. Far beyond even my, my time here, which is approaching 13 years. I've seen generosity increase. I've seen multiplication of God's heart and we want to highlight some of those ways because they're often not front-facing for us. Some are a little more obvious than others. But you are about this work. Whether you're fully engaged, Patrice, literally getting your hands into the dirt of the work, 
or, whether, or, or, or as you'll hear today, whether you're cutting or hammering boards for tiny homes, or whether you join in in prayer, in financial support. And again, we're doing, we're doing so much, I don't think any of us can be involved in, in every one of them. So it's, it's, it's great to hear what others are passionate about of ways to be gleaning people, to be harvest people, to be heart of God people. So highlighting those, continuing, that we looked last week at, at three ways that primarily in, in our immediate community, we're trying to reach uh, those in need. And we, do, we, did, we heard about the little, little pantry, which you pass every time you come into this parking lot, and we see that used multiple times every single day. And so thank you to Diane and Mark who shared yesterday and the Mercy team for continuing that ministry for all you who partner with that and fill it up and, and invite others to that space. That's a, that's a reminder of our, our food truck Fridays that we celebrated for over a year in the pandemic times. So many ways we'd love to see that ministry have just continued indefinitely. But as times and seasons change, we transition also to other opportunities, to other peoples in needs, to other work. We heard about the giving garden from Patrice. We heard from Kathy and the Mercy team, ways that we partner and walk with the, those in need in our community. And many of you give to the Benevolent Fund to support that kind of work, to make that, you know, whether it's rent assistance, people in need coming out of houselessness, transitioning, food, gas cards, and often it's relational. And so much is, is, is related to God's heart when it comes to being present with those in need, to hearing stories, to esteeming and honoring, often unable to, to truly solve or fix the deep-rooted needs or poverty or pain that many exist, but to be present with them is to bring the presence of Jesus. You, you're about this work. Today, I want to highlight a couple more ways that we partner with those in need and, and those in poverty in our broader community. This extends beyond just our immediate community. And we have, we have for years had this conviction and this heart to, to take Jesus's words seriously in Acts 1.8. Some of the final words he instructs to his followers before he ascended, after his crucifixion and his resurrection. He said to his followers, followers, the Holy Spirit will, will come upon you and will give you power to be my witnesses, to proclaim me, to, be, to give testimony, first in Jerusalem, right? That's where they were in Jerusalem. That was their hub city. And in Judea, that was the greater surrounding region of, in the Middle East that many of the Jews had, had, had been living in, the diaspora, the 12 tribes, in the greater Judea and in Samaria even. That was an area of often hostility between Jews and a different, a different ethnic group. They did not like each other in that day. They did not partner well. They did not serve well. They did not like well. They did not love well. It went both ways. And you hear Jesus is saying, those not like you that even have a history of, of, of division or oppression, you are meant to serve and proclaim the hope of the gospel. And to the ends of the earth, he finishes that phrase. And to the ends of the earth, with your eyes. Now, if you could have given those first disciples a globe, as if, that could, if they could have possibly fathomed that, but spun it around and pointed to the Pacific Northwest, from their perspective, they would say, that is the furthest region, just about of any region from where we are, and here, and here we are proclaiming the same thing. So it's perspective. It's all perspective. What is our Jerusalem today? It's our Redmond. It's our Kirkland, our Bellevue, our Duval, our Union Hill. It's our neighborhoods. It's the places where we live, work, learn, and play. This is our Jerusalem that crosses over into our Judea, the broader region. But often our Judea is imaged with people that we can resonate with, that, that, we, that, we, that we might associate with and connect with. 
Our Samaria is any groups of peoples that are, are different than us. Whatever your perspective is, different than me. Different history, different culture, different heritage, different way of life. Anyone who, who I might otherwise traditionally just say, well, I, I, don't, I don't understand or I don't resonate, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll just distance myself. We are called to actually be Jesus to them to be incarnational, to serve, to love, to get to know, to listen. That's our Samaria. And of course, to the ends of the earth could be in anywhere from our perspective that is far reaching to us. We have had a commitment and a conviction here from the elders and the ministry team, and I believe from all of you, to serve in ways and to give in ways uh, along those Acts 1-8 lines. What does it mean to give, to serve, to love, to see those in need right here? and in the greater region, and amongst peoples not quite like us in life and and circumstance, and unto the ends of the earth. And we are doing that. And so we're highlighting some of those in these couple of weeks to remind you, I hope to encourage you, and to inspire you. You know, a couple years ago, we really galvanized this heart in a phrase, some work that we've been doing for years and years, but galvanized it in the 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 heart of it in a phrase to become a church without walls. Now, we were at that time meeting under two large tents. We were literally a church without walls. So that, that's what inspired that phrase of, man, this is, this is amazing. As, as hard as that was and as thankful as we are for these, these physical walls together, how do we become a church without walls? And that's, that's twofold. It's that all would feel a sense of access and welcoming to come to Jesus. We've all been drawn by him. May we not in any way ever erect a wall, a system, a structure, a barrier between people who want to know more of Jesus and want to draw near to him. Whoever they are, whatever they've done or haven't done, and wherever they've come from, they are welcome here. That's the heart. But it's also twofold. It's that we would have no walls that we would see beyond us. We would see beyond our own space and our own community to those in need in our Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we are doing that. One of the ways that is probably coming to mind most, and you've heard about it quite a bit in the last eight to nine months, you see it in our parking lot, is the building of tiny homes. And you're hearing it today in the rustle of plastic bricks and clicks, the building of tiny homes. So the theme comes together. The Alliance Northwest just had their district conference down in Salem this week. Tommy and I were down for three days celebrating some of the work that God has been doing in our broader region, all of our sister churches across Washington, Oregon, Alaska, and as our district superintendent said, the sanctified parts of Idaho. We are a large geographical district. One of their video teams came a month ago or so and did a quick video snapshot of, of the work that we've been able to do. They, got, they kind of got wind of our food truck Fridays and our wall givers ministry and said, hey, could we spotlight that and highlight that? We just love what you are doing to see beyond you, beyond the walls. So know that this video uh, put together by a professional video editing team um, is to face toward those that don't know about this ministry, but I thought I would share it with you because it does give a glimpse and a reminder of what God has done. So cue video and bring lights down if you're able to do that. Those that don't know, John, John Zeger is one of our elders and obviously a significant part leading this tiny home effort. 
and probably don't need to overview it as much. That kind of did it, but what's yeah. next for us? As we see those two homes almost done, we have another shipment here. Just give us an update on, on this ministry and how we can partner and engage in the coming weeks. Yeah, I, um, as someone who absolutely hates to see themselves on video, <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, and Ben sent it to me earlier, and I actually refused to watch it, so... Uh. <clears throat> but I was forced to watch it there. So, um, uh, I, I, and that, that video would make you think that, that Dan and I were the only ones who did anything. And for the record, uh, there's been a lot of other folks. They edited out the piece. Uh, I was like, you cannot edit this piece out. I know yeah. you want to, I'm the lead pastor. You're coming to talk to me, but there's a team doing this and yeah. my hands are often off of it. I create space sometimes yeah. just to dream and to vision. Um, so he edited that out. But I have to say that the team has yeah. been amazing, both through the food trucks, the Mercy team, totally. and through this ministry. Totally. I mean, yeah. yeah, this is this is very much been a team effort. Uh, so uh, yeah, as as you say, I think. We are, uh, there are two houses uh, that are essentially done, but for painting, which weather has been sort of a, uh, the, yeah. the principal gating factor on. Folks should, if you get a chance, it's a nice day out today, go go pop inside uh, the houses, you, you'll see them. Uh, and uh, they look they look pretty, they look pretty good. Uh, we'll, uh, the, the few, those of us who worked uh, on, we'll, we'll know all the little, uh, the little mistakes we made, and some of you'll notice a few of them too. But uh, we'll notice a few more. But they look they look pretty good, and they're a place where I think um, someone uh, would be able to to live and be comfortable and be ultimately be warm. And so we're we're, we're really happy about that. Yeah. You know, all along, uh, Scripture says, uh, uh, you know, I desire God says I desire uh, mercy and not sacrifice. This is not about us uh, sacrificing. It's about us cultivating a heart of mercy for Amen. people. And, uh, and I think we've been able to do that uh, and built a real, uh, a great team uh, around it. So two houses are done. Uh, we have a third kit in a, in a pile, which is probably pretty similar uh, to your pile of Legos yeah. back there. It's, um, we've learned, we, our skills have uh, improved. Our, our understanding of the very uh, complex plans uh, have improved. So hopefully the third house uh, that, is, that is currently a pile of sticks uh, will be a little easier, a little quicker, and uh, and the final product a little better. And weather getting a little nicer. I, and the weather we is getting a little nicer, yeah. I, you know, we, we've been at it for eight months or so, maybe a little more, uh, but that is mostly sort of Saturday mornings in short bursts. Uh, and so what we're going to try to do uh, is do a little bit longer work day. So June 4th is our plan. If you uh, mark your calendars, if you could First be Saturday of June. First Saturday, Saturday of June, so so uh, just over a month from now, um, we are going to do uh, a kind of all church work day. We're going to try to we'll start early and try to do a longer day uh, and go from that pile of sticks to a framed house in one day. Awesome. Uh, do a bit of a barn raising, um, not not a completed house. I don't want to, uh, uh, but a, but, framed, a fr yeah. but a fully framed house, uh, which does take a few more bodies because you have to shift some big heavy things around. So if you can make it for at least a part of that day, that would be awesome. We will also try to have some other work around to do. We might be able to enlist some folks in Giving Garden. We've got, we'll probably have a little bit of painting left to do on those houses. So come, we'll have a meal, um, at least one. We'll, have, we'll, make it, uh, we'll make it an event, hopefully it'll be fun. Um, we would love to see as many of you out, even if you haven't been out before. Uh, we will arrange the work so that kind of anybody can plug into some of those jobs. So, uh, so Great. please do make it, and um, hopefully we'll make some good progress on that. And then very soon after that, once we get that painting uh, uh, finished up, 
those two houses will uh, will go away and uh, hopefully go off to, uh, uh, to to be a home for for someone. I will just sort of say I'll, I'll make it because I know probably a number of you who read the Seattle Times have seen yeah. yeah. there have been a, a number of articles recently with the move over from uh, to the Regional Homelessness Authority. Um, there have been some issues about tiny house villages and opening them, and some have been delayed and other things. We're, we're, we're keeping our eyes on that. Obviously, you don't want to build houses that, that don't get used, right? We're, we, this is clearly about helping people. Yeah. So we'll keep our eyes on that. We want to be faithful to finish up certainly these homes. Uh, we think that th that stuff will get resolved and we'll have the opportunity to build others, but just know that we're kind of aware uh, of that set of issues. Yeah, thank you for keeping us posted. Thank you for the update. Are, are all the comfort kits that are going with these homes completed or do we still need to, to, to be to be candid with you i don't know the okay. answer okay. to that i think we uh, i probably are because i know we had we'd hope to get right. these finished up a little bit earlier so but there, there will also be opportunity uh to to plug in there great so. thank you yeah. so much appreciate that praying for that ministry love it uh we get to be a church without walls by building walls and giving them away so that's kind of that's where the name wall givers came from with that heart of of sending and blessing and serving. Thank you for that highlight. Fun to see the, the video as well. We do this kind of work because of who our God is. I am the Lord. He said, I, this is my character. God is our refuge. God promises to clothe and to shelter us. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus, Jesus teaches us that. The way he does that is through his people, right? through, through one another, through those that have more and can give. That's, that's the work we get to enter into. And we get to be blessed as people to both give and at times to receive. We just, know what, we just know our need. We have opportunity to help save lives in this. This, could, this can actually save the lives of dozens of people, every home, potentially. And we love that. Right? In a small way, you give blood on a day, but in this way, we're giving, giving potentially life to many over the course of months or years and so we love that. That's the ministry of Jesus. It's the heart of Jesus. And we're not the ones saving. He is, ultimately. But we can partner with him and work like this that parallels his heart to show justice and mercy and compassion. And we have opportunity to love and serve Jesus in this work. We directly, when we engage in this kind of work, and it's not only building tiny homes or, or food pantries or giving gardens or working with, uh, with, with the, the poor in our community through the mercy team, but in any kind of way that expresses his heart, we're ultimately serving Jesus. This is, this is a mindset that we have. Jesus himself said this in one of his teachings in Matthew 25, at verse 35 and following. He says, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you welcomed me. I was naked, you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the, the righteous, some of his disciples, will answer him, but Lord, when was, taking it very literally, right? When, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? When was it we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? When was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? But he will answer, the king will answer, Truly I tell you, just as you did it for one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Right, so we have this heart as one of our motivations to give, to love, to serve, that we get to participate in both the heart of God and the ministry to serve God by serving his people whom he loves. Let's shift our mindset a little bit to our Samaria. If that ministry is one of our primary expressions of reaching into our broader region of Judea into a specific need, 
Let's consider our Samaria, one of our Samarias. There's many in our community uh, we want to recognize, uh, many peoples that are a little bit different than us. From whatever perspective that is, how do we break down those walls? Often through breaking bread together, through fellowship, through service, through time spent, through being present. One of our partnerships for the last two and a half years now, just before pandemic, we started regularly supporting Holly Park Alliance Church in Rainier Beach and Pastor Otis Brown. Uh, Pastor Otis Brown was one of the hardest workers that I know. I've, I've been friends with him for years. He's part of our Greater Seattle Church Planting Network. He's now leading that, that ministry. Uh, he, he, you'll hear some of his story. We got to spend some time with him uh, down in Salem, and then we said, we, can we just come up to Holly Park this week and do a quick video? I think it would fit well for our, our community today as we highlight, highlight some of our partnerships in our broader region. He agreed to that. Uh, you'll, you'll get to know Otis. Some of you already do, uh, but get to know his heart as you see this video. And quick uh, disclaimer. Now, Tommy wanted to make sure that I gave this disclaimer. Um, the Alliance set a sent a professional video editing team who spent about six hours with us and then two weeks editing. Uh, we, we did this Thursday afternoon, so uh, just wanted to say that as we, we juxtaposed the two videos. I think it's fantastic, so show this video, a little snapshot of the interview I had with Otis Brown this week. Thank you, Tommy, though, for... Getting that so quickly, that was, that was fantastic. Uh, love that partnership with Otis. When we began that, we really said, how, how can we do more together? And then COVID, as you, as you know, has disrupted that. So, so coming, so they're really interested, if, if possible, to get uh, a kit and do, uh, build a tiny home on their property. So that's a, that's a partnership. I invited them to come to one of our Saturday builds, even on the 4th, uh, and get to kind of see that from, with their team perspective. Could we send them a food truck is what I'm inviting you to. He doesn't know if he can even afford to bring in a food truck. We were talking through some of those details. Uh, it takes a, about $2,000, thank you, uh, to sell out a food truck to give away uh, meals, uh, up to 200 meals for a food truck. We did that for a year. Uh, I think it's within our capacity. If you want to give to that, uh, you can talk to me directly or just give to our benevolent fund. That's likely where those funds would be drawn from. And if we see we see a boost in that, in that giving to that fund. We'll know kind of where, where that's coming from for now uh, to bless them. We'll try to get some more communication out to you. They like to have a few trucks there and have hundreds of people come and just be, uh, be welcomed into their place and to show, to show the love of Christ. And again, breaking down walls by breaking bread together, we're all about that. So that, those are just a couple ways. Uh, we've talked about doing joint services together, figuring out how to do that uh, both here and or there and what that might look like. So more to come in that. These are just a couple of ways in our broader Judea and Samaria that we have opportunity to represent the heart of Christ, to represent Jesus through, through relationships, through serving, through giving, and you're, you're doing this. You're a part of this. And even if, uh, if, if you're, this is the first time you're hearing about this partnership, uh, but you give faithfully to, to us, uh, you have partnered in that. Out of our general fund, we give uh, to missions in these kinds of ways. So thank you so much. Continue to do that. Obviously, you see it makes a fantastic, uh, even life-changing difference. Uh, for, for an awesome servant of Christ like Otis and for his community. As we wrap up today, and I think I was hearing some, some tummy grumblings, couldn't tell if it was the Lego building or that, but as we move into a meal together today, as we move into a response together today, I want to leave us with the same mindset as last week when I did, because you can, you can hear about work like this, and this is just a sliver of the work that's needed to be done. This isn't, uh, this isn't meant to be uh, an oh, look at us or pat us on the back. It's what a... What a 
humble, privileged opportunity we have to give and to serve in this way, to join in the heart of Christ. And if you're, if you're engaged in other ways, we want to hear about that. Maybe there's partnership we can do together. Uh, and if you're not yet engaged in any of these ways, uh, the last thing that you, you should hear is you need to do more, give more, work harder. You're not, you're, you're not making the cut line of, of what Jesus has demanded of you. That's not the gospel. The gospel is he looks, God has looked into this world and seen the poverty of every one of us, the spiritual poverty, and out of his abundance and out of his life, he gives us life and draws us into himself. Regardless of what we have yet done or what we will ever do, his love is abounding to his children, to you. From that place of receiving that love, receive it again today, he then will lead us and give us opportunity to be with him, to join him in the work he's already doing to love naturally those that we wouldn't have otherwise loved, to begin to see ourselves as he sees us. It's invitation much more than it is commandment. And we know we're meant to live a life with God, not a life for God. That order is very important. From a life with God, dwelling with him, receiving his love, we then get to work in ways that would honor him and give him glory. But when we live our life striving for God as if we could earn something or pay something back, we've missed the grace and the gift of the good news to us and of the saving life and love that Jesus came to bring. So please hear that, receive that again today as we sing, celebrate that fact of what he has done for you and receive as an invitation ways to then partner with, to be present with those in need in our immediate community and beyond for the glory of God and for our own joy. Let me pray for us. Invite the team to come. Why don't you come now? Oh, and I will remind, we will pause after two songs and take communion together. We do that on the first Sunday of the month. The other Sundays, we invite you to share individually or with families that communion. But we'll pause and take it together. As Since we can't all sit around one table today, this is a way to commune together, being reminded of what Christ has done. And then we will break bread together. I'll even pray for this, that coming meal right now, and we'll be prepared. Thank you for a few snapshots of these tiny homes. If there's more, I remind you that let's come forward and get a quick picture. If you have a tiny home or two, uh, for anyone that built, let's come and have a picture uh, following the singing together today. Let me pray for us. Father, man, we, we first celebrate who you are and what you've done. You are Yahweh. It is your character to give, to serve, to see our needs, and to respond ways that we have experienced, we have seen, and ways that we, we still are blind to, that you have done in this world, in this place, in our hearts, in our souls. For you so loved your world, loved your children, you gave. And Jesus, you came. Jesus, you became incarnational into our communities to come and pursue us. Today, we again receive we're humbled at, at that mercy, at that compassion, at that grace. While we were yet sinners, you died for us. So humble us again. Remind us of that. We receive your love, your unconditional, no strings attached love for us, for each one here. May it be a new day experiencing the goodness of God and the hope of the gospel for everyone Thank you for the ways we've been able to join in your heart through the abundance you've given to so many and the generosity of heart and the faithfulness of heart. We've been able to serve and to give those in need. Some we know, like our brother Otis and our sisters and brothers at Holly Park, help, help us to get to know them even more in the days ahead to partner in your work in this community.
and for those that we will never meet, likely through the ministry of tiny homes, through the ministry of giving generously, even unto the ends of the earth. We thank you, God, that you see all, you know all, you're present with all hurting, needy people. Thank you that we can join you in this work. We pray over the meal that's to come, reminding us of what you have done and the abundance that you have given. We celebrate, we break bread together. We create space for communion together with you and with one another. Thank you for the team that's prepared and for all those that have brought a little bit of their gleanings and their harvest to share with us this day. May each one sense your spirit at work amongst us to be encouraged for the work you have and the walk you have for us in the days ahead.